to Reality Check with Bradford and Katie. Gordon gets 915 across Los Angeles. You were on Grinder. <laughs> I was on Farmer's Daughter. And Brad just had three shots of espresso, so we can get this party started. Right. Actually, two shots. Yeah, so Hi guys. let's open it. Okay, so normally, should we get all majestic with it? I think it's. Who do we have in today? Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> Carrie's future husband? Yes. Okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> guys, I mean, he, he should be in any time. She's hopeful. Thor. She's hopeful. Thor is here. Um, Ryan Philippi is always in the house. Um, he doesn't, we just discussed today, he doesn't feel like he looks like him. Fuck that. He looks just <laughs> like him. Like I said, except that will do in front. I like it. We'll have to post a picture. Yeah, we're going to do a poll, Instagram um, poll. And we also do have in the studio a legendary, um, legend, should I throw that out there? Like legendary level? Carrie. We call her Carrie Sherman, as we found out. The last name. We've known her forever. Good friend. Um, Introduce yourself. What do you want to call yourself? How do you, you're recovering? What is it? Hi, guys. Hi. Um, yeah, I say that I am a recovering reality TV producer. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Which is super interesting because all the things that we talk about is media-based and how to view what we're seeing. And I think it's going to be really helpful to get your perspective for women who, and men too, like just for everyone who watches reality TV and to know that it's not based in reality. I think yeah, that's important. absolutely. And, you know, a lot of it, in my opinion, is part of the problem mm-hmm. and is part of what you guys talk about on your website and on social media. And it is important for people to understand what really goes on so that when they're watching, they have just a better understanding as to what the people in front of the camera are doing, what the people behind the camera are doing, and how it's all working as part of a machine to kind of force feed you these false realities that you're told is escapism. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can enjoy it, but you have to be conscious when you're enjoying it or else you then also can be totally sucked in and be part of the problem. Uh, One second, I want to cut this part. I still have this in my hand. I, okay, yeah, I, I can't hold that for an hour of a podcast. <laughs> Forgot to give Majestic. To I'm give sorry. Majestic. Dang it. By the way, there's definitely like a sound cue that Ryan Philippi has on his computer that can do the same thing yeah. as them. Oh, I know, but it was just yeah. like It's a little inauthentic. Right. But. Okay, so jumping into, so here's what's crazy. So. I love the term reality TV anyway, right? Couldn't be further from... That's an oxymoron. Right. There's no fucking reality. Right. But we do have our favorite shows. Oh, for sure. And by the way, like, let the record reflect Mm -hmm. that there are a handful of really incredible people who are making television right now that is telling stories of real people, Mm. real issues, real problems in our society. HBO. Viceland. Yeah. Those are the people that are going to affect change and that are doing great things, but that's not the shit that everyone loves. No. But also I feel like the storytelling thing is like getting so annoying too with shows like The Voice where you're like, you can't just be on there because you have a good voice. You have to have some extraordinary story. You have to have like one right. leg. Where someone's voice. on there crying because they had a trauma from when they were five years old and like, and you're like, you don't even remember this story that you right. just told, but you're on TV crying and now you're supposed to go seeing. It's like this heightened idea that everyone has this story that's mm-hmm. kind of annoying. Like, And that being sense. said, you know, The Voice is a great example of a really snackable show. Mm-hmm. Snackable mm-hmm. is a word that we used to use when 
we had something in front of us that we felt audiences would just eat up and come back to for more the same way you would, you know, once you pop, you don't stop. Mm. Just like that. that. Does that mean that there's something emotionally wrong with Brad and I since we fast forward through those parts? (laughs) (laughs) We get right to the part where they sing. I I, I don't think there's anything emotionally. I mean, I do think there's something wrong. No, I think that you two are a great example of people who are so dialed in and know so much that nobody can get any bullshit by you. Right. Mm-hmm. The majority of the country really wants those feel-good moments, wants mm-hmm. to come home on a Tuesday after a shitty day at a factory or a pharmacy or wherever they're working and mm-hmm. just kind of escape for an hour and a half. And actually, in my opinion, The Voice is a really great platform to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's talent, it's celebrity-driven, and there isn't anything really toxic about it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it's relatable because it's yeah. the everyday person. You're like, Oh shit, they lived in a truck too. No way. They're from Idaho. Oh my but God. but know, just like, like Katie said, it's a total machine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that doesn't produce any stars, which is the problem, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is their which is problem like, for wait, sure. What? I mean, they've had a really hard time trying to get stars. Yeah, Cause listeners, that. please name me, name me, uh, the winner of, of the voice three years ago. I mean, it sounds exactly. terrible, but like the only person from the voice that I know is that poor girl who was shot at an autograph. Yeah. Song. Oh. yeah. Right. That messed me up because I'm like, I go to little events like that. You know, she was just, it's just like a couple, not yeah. that many people. And like, that's scary. Yeah. Like, it's that's really scary. I mean, we could go really deep into mm-hmm. that today. Maybe that's for another podcast. Well, we but. can't mention all the shows that you worked on, but there are shows that, Everyone were the has number one shows in the world. I mean, there was a point where you could go any continent almost and people would know the characters in the shows. I mean, you've worked on some of the largest of the large, the great greats. Um, and you would almost think that that was, I'm sure it was a pleasure in some way, and it was certainly a learning experience. But like, <clears throat> tell us, did you go in thinking, oh my God, I've made it? And then all of a sudden, it's like you reflect back now and you're like, I made what? I mean, you yeah, know. Yeah, you know, I think... I think everybody has had a job before that they look back and they're like, what happened (laughs) there? You know, when I made the move into reality television from the news, I was really young. I was Mm. like 23. I was hungry. I was looking for something to be a vehicle for me to get where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And... Reality TV, again, is such a great example of everything that's wrong in our society right now. (laughs) And I can't say it enough. And sometimes I'll be at a dinner party and somebody will ask me a question about a show, just like we just had a really healthy discussion about The Voice. Somebody will ask me something and I almost feel physically triggered because when you work on a reality TV set, the contract that you sign Mm. with yourself and with your bosses is one of really strategic inauthenticity. You say that I am going to help tell a story that nine times out of 10 is not real. Bullshit. Yeah, (laughs) and so that really sets the tone for any set that you're on. You know, if you're working on a movie about content that you really believe in Mm. and that you think has a message and that you think is going to change someone's life, it doesn't matter if you're working 20 hours a day because there's a big picture and there's a motivation behind it. My experience was not like that. My experience was really, really toxic. And although I found great success personally and on the shows that I was working on. And like Brad said, you know, I have definitely worked on some of the biggest shows in our zeitgeist in the last 10 years. You know, when I went home at night 
as a young woman in my early 20s and in my mid-20s and then in my late 20s, you know, you can't take that money with you. You can't take the experience of manipulation. Mm. And in my case... I was really good at it. <laughs> and so... But can you se- you can't separate yourself from that. Exactly. It's almost like a, a police officer yeah. that sees a lot of trauma. Like, how do you go home to your family and just be almost like function normally? Yeah. You can't yeah. separate when, you when can't. do you learn to call your own bullshit? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And right. I wasn't ready to. I mean, I didn't even know it was bullshit for a solid six, seven years. When you got into it, mm-hmm. did you come into it thinking it was something else? And then that's what, what was kind of yeah, yeah. What was that like? Oh, absolutely. When, when I you discovered the it was first me. reality TV set I visited, I thought it was so nuts <sighs> and so crazy mm-hmm. and so much fucking fun. Right. I, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, I can't mention the show that that was. However, you know. When you're when you're around that kind of energy, sometimes I get that way with you, Katie, when we're mm-hmm. together and we're talking about these issues and shit that we really care about, and you just get so amped up. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> feeling like, oh my God, I just drank 18 monsters. I want the job. Because I realized that you could, that I could. Also, you know, I think it's really important to speak about myself using the pronoun I now, where I am in my life, Mm -hmm. because when I first met you guys and I was kind of fresh off of this experience, I would say things like, and then, you know, you find yourself in this situation and it's like, no, bitch, (laughs) I found myself in this situation. (laughs) I have to be accountable. So feel free to check me on that Mm -hmm. throughout our conversation. But, you know, I really wanted to be part of something and when I got involved, I thought I was going to be part of not necessarily a family, but kind of like, you know, a fraternity energy where you're all here for the same thing. You all have a common goal. You all want the same thing. And what ended up happening is the people at the top have a goal. The way that they get to that goal is essentially by using the people in the middle at the bottom to do whatever they need them to do. And, you know, as somebody who really worked my way up. Yeah, very cool. That's exactly what... um, Is this what you guys are looking for? Yeah, no, totally. Because I don't don't even know if we went fully into this stuff, and that's why... Well, I'll just... Yeah, we'll wait, yeah. You know, any environment... Okay. Any environment that is producing something creative should kind of foster that energy. And I think for the most part, because reality TV is not considered a creative concentration, even though I know it is, most people in the TV industry consider it kind of like the low-hanging fruit of television. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I really love right now, which is one of my guilty pleasures, is on Teen Mom. I was about to get to that, girl. MTV is our guilty pleasure (laughs) as well. We've been watching it since it started, and we're kind of embarrassed to admit it, but yet we we love it. I'm not embarrassed at all. Because when I started it when it was 16 and pregnant, by the way, like I'm only a couple years older than those girls, flipping my hair. Right. you know, that was a really formative show and message. Right. That this woman named Lauren Dolgen, who worked at MTV, was in her 30s, super brilliant, just 
had this really incredible idea and followed it, and it's cr- they've created you know something. Monsters. Some people may hate it. <laughs> Certainly, some monsters, but you know that's going to really live on. Yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, it will. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is that the thing that I really enjoy about Teen Mom right now is that they've lifted the veil. They're now showing you right. how these producers are actually there all the time. What they say, how they say it, how they have to coax these girls who, you know, have been on television now for maybe eight, nine years, but are, you know, what we would in television call, they're civilians. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not celebrity stars. They're not actors. This is not their trade. This is their job. So imagine being a producer on a show with a big Hollywood celebrity star and having to get them to do what Hmm. your boss wants them to do, not what you want them to do. You know, this is, this almost always is coming from above. It's coming from somebody in your ear. It's coming from the control room saying, if you don't make them cry today, you're not going to get dinner. Well, I think we need to explain that more because I think, like you said, we all know kind of what you're talking about, but I think maybe some of the people listening are like, wait, what do you mean? They're going to make someone cry. So a really good example of the job that reality producers do is when you see on any reality show on, you know, Survivor, on Amazing Race, on The Bachelorette, on Teen Mom, on Siesta Key, which like we have to talk about too. Um, (laughs) You'll see these one-on-one interviews with the people on the show. So in that interview, that person is not just blankly talking to the camera. They're actually having a conversation Mm -hmm. with their producer. And that producer is somebody who's with them nine times out of 10, 20 hours of the day, they go to their doctor's appointments, they're there for breakups, they're there for makeups, they're there for babies, they're there for jobs, they're there for family drama. And so that producer's job is to continue to cultivate a relationship with this reality talent member of trust, most importantly trust. And when you have that trust, you you take these, these people to a place that's supposed mm-hmm. to be safe. And you say to them, forget about the camera. Just talk to me. Talk to me about what we were talking about before the red light went on. And in some ways, that's a really beautiful, pure example of you know, human connection. And in other ways, it's a really fucked up, toxic example of how reality TV producers get people to do and say what their bosses want them to do and say mm. so that it'll continue to tell a story that maybe isn't real, maybe is just, a you know, embellished. Right, it's exploiting them as well. Exactly. You know, I have worked on, a really great example is, you know, I've worked, when I was about 25, I worked on a weight loss show. And I remember watching the interviews and feeling really disgusting and feeling like I knew that the producer sitting across from her, I mean, and they sit as far as you and I are right now, you know, with about three feet in between us. And I knew that that, this one woman who stands out in my mind was trying to lose weight for her wedding. And she was in a position, much like a lot of women in our country, where she had gained weight in her 20s. Her, hus- her husband-to-be, you know, on their weight loss journey, lost a lot of weight really quick, and she was really struggling. And like a lot of us, you know, had emotional eating, pro- emotional eating issues. And, you know, the producer 
was trying to crack her, as we say, trying to get her to show emotion, trying to get her to really go to that place of, you know, sure, vulnerability, but for the camera's sake, tears. You know, tears, tears, rage, sex, those are always the ultimate goal for a reality, reality <laughs> TV producer. Which is why they supply lots of alcohol and no outside entertainment. Right. It's like isolation and alcohol. Right. I mean, I... You know, the the scandal on Bachelor in Paradise last year, for me, was super triggering for exactly that reason. I have been in situations before in which I knew somebody needed to stop drinking and I didn't say anything because I feared for my job. Mm-hmm. And I watched them from the control room because I was not a, ever a floor producer. I'm always a story producer. So I always dealt with those interviews that we just spoke about. And I used to, you know, I had a perch, a, a seat in the control room. And there were a handful of times, a few that, you know, almost make me emotional thinking about it right now. And, you know, thank God nothing terrible happened. But, you know, you have to be able to live with yourself mm-hmm. when you go home from your day job. And this is a really good example of a situation that a lot of people are in in this industry where you can't feel okay about your choices because you're not actually making the choice. Your boss is making mm-hmm. a choice for you. Your network is making a choice for you. Um, and so there have been a handful of times where I've been in situations where I wish I w- was strong enough at the time to say, I'm not okay with this. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay watching these producers continue. And by the way, they're not doing it because they're bad people. They're doing it because just like me, they were afraid for their job, that mm-hmm. if they didn't continue to, you know, quote, loosen everyone up and continue to basically force feed alcohol to already blacked out people, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they would get in trouble or they'd get taken off a shift, you know, or your 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 paycheck is smaller. How do you feel that's, do you feel like that's going to change with the Me Too movement? where people are starting to hold industry people accountable for kind of this behavior that's been going on forever and no one has said anything about it because I feel like that's just another form of, you know, an abusive situation that should be in a professional Mm -hmm. setting. I mean, it's you're on a set, you're being paid, this is for the entertainment industry, but yet what's going on when the camera, the parts of the camera isn't airing is like totally illegal and messed up. Absolutely. I think Me Too is an incredible movement. As somebody who's worked in the industry for eight, nine years, I have absolutely found myself in situations um, that were not only just run-of-the-mill uncomfortable, but that were absolutely illegal. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a place to go. I didn't have a shoulder to cry on. I didn't have shelter to seek. So in that sense, I think Me Too is incredible. I think the awareness that has already been brought to this industry is invaluable. That being said, I think the success of any movement like that ends up relying on the audience. Right. You know, if if we're talking about a show that's made without conviction, without truth, um, you know, without proper treatment of people who work on that set, meaning people get paid for overtime, people are provided with food and sustenance all day, every day, people are allowed to take breaks, people are taken care of. Most reality sets are not that way. Mm -hmm. They may be going forward, but right now I can honestly say most are not that way. So if we're talking about a set that's run that way, 
but is still producing a show that the audience loves, nobody's going to give a shit. Mm -hmm. It's only when the audience decides to dial into what's happening behind the scenes are things going to change Mm -hmm. and unfortunately you know that's uncomfortable for a lot of people a lot of people don't watch like we talked about earlier a lot of people don't watch reality tv to really think about what's going on in the world or to feel compassion for this person who just got outed in this uncomfortable situation like you forget that they're actual people and you not actors so this is someone like real life and yes they agreed to be on tv but I don't think people realize the amount of manipulation they find themselves in. Like if we talk about Teen Mom, so let's talk about our favorite villain, which is Farah. Right. So we just watched a Celebrity or Couples Rehab, mm-hmm. Couples Rehab, and she, or Couples Therapy, Couples, couples therapy. therapy. And um, she was on that season from way back, like when she before she'd gotten all the plastic surgery, and we'd mm. never seen her t- like speak like a normal human. Was it this was so when she was ago. with Deborah, and uh, they come? Yeah, they, they came, came in one She showed up session. once. It was like early, early on, and so we were Dr. fascinated. for the most of them, and then there was only That's one. old school VH1. Was, yeah. yeah, so we went back on Netflix, and we're looking at old stuff. So we were like totally hooked because the person she portrays herself now is just so angry and this like, really, she's got like so many issues. And then we go back this far and we're watching a totally different person who's actually just like broken, sad Mm -hmm. girl. And so she was talking about the sex tape that she did and she couldn't speak about it because there were all of these like clauses. Yeah. And she signed away her life. And but I mean, we were saying from the way they were talking about it, of course, she was 20 at the time or 21 or 22, right in that range. And we're guessing that it was probably like a blackmail situation where they had other stuff on her. She was partying. Obviously, if you're hanging around, your boyfriend does porn. This is not a great environment to be around at 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And you're clearly going to be taken advantage of in a lot of ways. And we're like, whoa, who knows what happened to this girl? Because what she told the therapist, she was like, she almost like started crying and was like really upset about it. And they couldn't air it or whatever. And you're going, okay. That was a side of her they never showed on Teen Mom. And this was like, I just look at it from this person has all of these traumas. She's already messed up. They've exploited like her hardest time in her life being a teenager and having a baby uh, on top of that. Now she got taken advantage by of her boyfriend who she thought she trusted who then got her into doing porn. And now that's living out on TV. And we're going, oh my gosh, we just looked at her so differently because she is a horrible person now. And that's by choice. Like you have to work on yourself yeah. no matter what your circumstance. One second. Okay. So she's choosing to become all of those things she didn't want to be is what she was saying. And now she's basically a full-blown porn star, like completely redone her face and body with plastic surgery. Her mom is insane. Just released like a song that was like (laughs) the craziest shit I have ever seen in my life and her long ass hair and plastic surgery. And it's like a train wreck you can't stop watching. And I know that's horrible. And I don't know what it is about that, but I guess- I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. I think- as much as Teen Mom is a wonderful example of how a show can evolve, it's also a really tragic example of how, you know, young women with no education and really no hope at the time when those cameras came into their lives found a way out. You know, mm-hmm. it, not a lot of people would advocate for that way out specifically, that ro- route, but the trajectory of their lives completely changed. However, What I think 
people see in her and that show and other villains and other train wrecks is simply pain. You know, pain is pain is pain. Mm -hmm. I've learned in the last two years of my life since I've stepped away from television and really attempted to change my life from the inside out. You know, my pain and my trauma is no worse than anyone else's. And I think that's something that people connect to in reality TV is a really tangible pain. No person in their right mind five, ten years ago, today is a different story because people are super fame hungry and our culture has kind of provoked the, you know, the demographic that's now, you know, 14 to 25 you know, their their goals are to be famous. Mm-hmm. Their right. goals are not to be successful or make money or mm-hmm. take care of their families or be educated or cure cancer. Their goals are to have millions of followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Barring that, I think people recognize in these characters themselves. You know, you know very well, Katie, that these people aren't characters because you are mm-hmm. so educated on the media and the way in mm-hmm. which the media force feeds us these images But a lot of people don't get that. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't get that much like Instagram, television is an opportunity for you to choose what images you're ingesting Mm -hmm. and what you're seeing. You know, I have friends who get ready in the morning to the news. That's something that I can't do in order to protect my energy and myself and not, you know, have road rage all day. I cannot expose myself to that, to that's, death and destruction, right? Like that—that's <laughs> right my in the <laughs> that, that's my personal preference, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that overall, the thing that makes these these people great TV is their trauma, mm-hmm. and is the thing mm-hmm. you know that makes them so messed up. The thing that probably they hate the most about themselves is always, as a producer, what I tried to exploit. Yeah. Well, and it's also like you watch it because we're, we would love like watching her when she's a little bit more compassionate. You almost are kind of rooting for her, even though she's just like, she acts so irrational and she's so awful to people. And it is, it makes us laugh because no one in their right mind speaks to people like that. Like, so there's that shock value of like, is this girl for real? Like what planet does she come from? (laughs) And you want someone to check her on it so bad. Like, but the producers are like these, they just, they build these monsters and then they have to be abused by them, which is also entertaining to me. On the last episode, you saw it. Like she fully verbally abused that producer. Now what's now, as Carrie was saying, what's a producer supposed to be? She can't now, fight back with her and lose that all of that trust all of that bond she's built she's got to let Farrah do her thing so that we can now have an interview about it later and that meltdown can happen she's got to stay in the pocket with her exactly but they built they built them to be these people and so it's almost like we find that to be entertaining that it is coming back on those producers because it's kind of like well you guys glorified this whole situation you know like you said they're these kids that are uneducated coming from a trailer, now all of them have houses and cars. They still don't have the education, mm-hmm. but they have all of, you know, now they're going to get most into of more them, trouble. Most of them also have a second child or a third three. child. With different people. Some In with, fact, yeah. I think all of them at all least them. have two now. Except for Farah. Except for Farah, correct. Right, Because right. Amber officially... But, and again, you know, like not to harp too much on one show or one character, no. but I think, you know... C- you guys are just totally innocent TV lovers, mm-hmm. right? 
So to hear you speak about somebody who negatively or positively has affected you and the way that you look at the entire lane of television that they're in is a really huge deal Mm -hmm. to, to understand, to unpack, to dissect how, you know, productions and networks can dump a bunch of money into these people. There it goes. You know, how how we can dump a bunch of money, a bunch of press, now, you know, social media tours, satellite media tours, um, how we can dump all this into these people, and then the production wraps, and then nobody's around you anymore. Mm -hmm. So a really, another piece that I don't think people understand about reality television is kind of what's left in the wake when the production wraps. You know, these are people who... For, in my experience, the shows that I've worked on, most of which, for example, did not go to college and did not have a regular job, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's at an office or at a coffee shop or a nanny, whatever, you know, just a regular person job. And so when these TV and camera crews leave your home or you're asked to get out of the house that you stayed in for a summer or wherever you were shooting, there's this huge void that's left almost in your heart, in your the pit of your stomach where you've been getting this constant validation and people have been following you. And for better or worse, these producers are telling you, you're the shit. Right. All of these people are going to watch this interview and they're going to watch this meltdown and they're going to see this fight or they're going to see your wedding and you're going to speak to somebody. And then one day, they're gone. And when that happens, it takes a really, really serious toll on these people's psyches because they don't have a normal, and I am making a generalization, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, they don't have a stable life to turn around and go home to. Okay. You're really speaking to me right now because we just started watching this new show (laughs) called My Big Fat Fabulous Life. Have you watched it? Oh, yes. Okay. So- Come on in. I'm, I'm actually not a fan- Come on in, Whitney Thor. And okay. I, I mean, I think she's great. She has an amazing personality. She has an amazing personality. But I saw, as we've been watching it, because we ran out of shows and we started randomly watching different shows. By the way, what world are we living in that you two ran out of shows? I know, it's sad. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we started watching. She has a great personality. It starts out like she became famous. For, she's uh, like 300 and something pounds at five foot three. She's like a very large plus size woman and she likes to dance. So she did a video of her dancing with her friend that went viral, ended up getting her a TV show. So the show starts about her life and how she's trying to get healthy and doing all, breaking all these barriers that plus size, that did not mean to be a pun, but like covering ground that plus size women haven't done before and challenging herself and like supposed to be getting healthy throughout this process and inspiring all plus size women that they can do it too. So that's like a really, you know, I was like, cool. Okay, we'll watch this. But as we started going to the next season, we were like, something was changing in her. Mm. And she literally were like, her positivity was like kind of turning like straight ego mm. to Remember, where, but we weren't sure. Remember well, my take on it? Yeah. And then Brad, we'll ask Carrie, maybe, maybe she know, know Maybe she was having a bad day. Cause like they shoot their interview on one day or something, but I'm telling you her vibe was off and she was really negative. And that could have been a pr- producer decision to take her that route. Decision. But she was saying things like, cause she's not losing any weight. She's gaining weight. And she actually said she feels like her purpose is to be 
obese to inspire other obese people. So it went from, I want to lose And like, weight. let's unpack that because you are such a wonderful voice on that issue specifically. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people have ever heard why that kind of statement is so toxic. Yeah. Well, because not to flip it on you, but if you would explain that, I think that would be wonderful. Yeah. So when she said that she feels like maybe she should, she shouldn't lose weight because she's here to inspire, like her purpose is to be obese, to inspire other obese people. I found that to be a reflection of her disappointment and the frustration of that. She didn't, she has not yet addressed on the show that she has issues with food. Like she's addressed every other thing. Like she can move and she can do all these things. She has such a great personality. Like I would totally be able to go hang with her gay friends. Like we would all have a great Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. There's never been a focus on the fact that she has, she has an eating disorder and she binges. Like they've cotton parts of it, of her on camera doing. Yeah. And then then they (laughs) cotton. We caught in that too. (laughs) I'm made of words. See how tight Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, but they've never sat her down. She's never even, she would speak to um, a nutritionist once and it was like, I don't eat all day. I just have one meal at night and I don't, and that's just not true. And, and we have friends. And one of the other things that she would address was that she has, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I know three people that have Including that. Including me. Right. And it does make you more susceptible to gaining weight. It's a hormonal issue. But that means that you have to care for yourself differently to help balance that out. It doesn't mean that that's the cause of being obese. It can right. it can lead to that if you're eating unhealthy and not, you're going to gain weight faster. Like So there are a lot of things that... I was like, oh, wow, like I saw this spark in her of like she really wanted it. But yet the real life struggle, which is this is a problem a lot of people deal with and don't know how to manage. And by not being able to get the success that she wanted to, it was easier for her to say, oh, well, maybe instead of having to deal with the issues of why I can't get to where I want to go. Now I'm getting all this attention. All these people are writing me, telling how inspiring I am to them. Maybe this is just what I'm supposed to do. And I think that that happens to all of us. Like in some level, like you said, even as a producer, you go in being like, I'm talented. I know how to do this. I produce the shit out of the show. It's Mm -hmm. a number one show. And you kind of lose your own checks and balances of being around yes men. Absolutely. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Like every episode is about the limitations you have because of your size and your health limitations. Like, so I think that there's a fine line there too, to say like, we shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations and it doesn't mean someone's a bad person. It just means that, you know, what's portrayed on TV, like opening up and that's a vulnerable thing to talk about. Right. Cause it is easier. Listen, it's very uncomfortable for anybody to talk about their demons. Right. I think, in some ways, reality television is a wonderful vehicle for mm-hmm. awareness of these kinds of issues. In other ways, I think reality television is the complete antithesis of accountability. Mm-hmm. And I think her, Whitney, and that show, unfortunately, I don't mean her character or her as a woman, mm-hmm. but I think the character that they have, they have developed her mm-hmm. into and the role in which she plays is really upsetting for people, mm-hmm. specifically someone like myself who has polycystic ovarian syndrome, who has gained, for me personally, I gained 40 pounds in less than a calendar year in 2015, 
who has been on both sides of the camera. You know, it's, it's 2018, and it's important for people who are in front of other people to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. So as a producer, sure, your hands may be tied, but that means that it's on that showrunner. It's on that I network. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me started on the bullshit that TLC has gotten into <laughs> right. and the disgusting bed that they have made for themselves, truly. Well, it's interesting you say that, and, I'll, and that segues to something I was thinking about, because... Some of you might not know, Katie and I pretty much get contacted yearly mm-hmm. um, by uh, production companies. Which um, is actually also might how be we how met. we met. Um, by <laughs> we'll production companies that. to, you know, they're always interested in one, something that we're doing, whether it's our agency or Healthy is the New Skinny. But what's always interesting is they come to us with their ideas of what, how this could be some type of a successful show or successful thing out there. And it's really, really interesting because they all do the same mm-hmm. thing. And Katie and I have sat in front of, I mean, we're talking, we've been to the, all the majors, Every MTV, network, yeah. TLC, all of them. Um, and they want, we're, we're going to all of a sudden be the next Chip and Joe in a game. We're going to be the next whatever, whatever. But it's interesting. They always, <laughs> they always want us to do and be what we're not yeah, every right. time. They're and like, it's so, so dumb. Kate, they, they had one scenario for us once they were like, okay, so we think this, cause we started to, if anybody knows it's called a teaser. They were just shooting a teaser so they could pitch that to the networks to see or if they wanted to. Or a sizzle reel. Sizzle reel. Sorry, to see if they uh, wanted to turn this into a full-blown show. And in that sizzle reel, they were kind of pushing us to be like, okay, Katie's going to walk in on Brad, shoot, you know, uh, f- you know, doing some photography on a model, and then, but he's kind of macking her, you know, and then Katie's going to get a little pissed off about it, and then they're going <laughs> to blow into this fight or something. And, we're, and Katie and I start laughing. We so you can hear her laughing, like, and we're like, laughing. the fuck? We we're literally like, started laughing at them in the meeting, and we're like, this is so stupid. No. Like, first of all, why would we put ourselves in a position to be seen like that? Second of all, I wouldn't even be able to say these stupid lines right. that you're telling me to say seriously because it's so been done a hundred times over. It's not even who we are. And why would we want to create that kind of fake drama? Like real life drama is already more entertaining yeah. when you let it unfold naturally. And we don't have that between us. Like I could give two no. shits if you flirt with any, like, I don't care. Like do what you're going to do. The whole thing like, just, the whole thing's, I guess, so silly because at the end of the day, we would event, you know, we caught wind of all this of the years we've been doing this. Of course, then we get enough power and we start to, you know, have lawyers change contracts and mm-hmm. we're, we're producers in it. We're, right. these are the requirements if you want a part of Katie and Bradford. And of course, people will just be like, no, fuck no, that. Yeah, I think I'm wrong. There's something to be said. Exactly. There's something to be said for being too smart for TV. Yeah. They, we, they told, oh no. They and told us I realized MTV. that very early on about you, Katie, in yeah. our relationship, that as much. I mean, you, and I said it to you last week, like mm-hmm. you are such a natural in front of the camera and you are so comfortable and you just operate with such ease. However, <laughs> you are so fucking dialed in that nobody, and I mean nobody, would be able to get anything past you ever. <laughs> and so you would be a nightmare mm-hmm. on set right. because people, which they do, you know, producers will need you to do something for the greater good of good the show. Good luck with that. As a thir- uh, I've exactly. been with for 13 years. <laughs> been trying to get our fucking room but, you know, for when the last you three are- weeks. <laughs> are you guys still not unpacked from Mexico I mean, we are. There's just a, little, just a little issue going on in the room to a Virgo. I like uh-huh. things a little, you yes. know, A to he B to C. Things very, very yeah, organized. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Pick up that makeup. You know, and, and as much as I kind of, you know, I, I wasn't ready to lean in 
to that with you in our relationship until recently mm-hmm. because I felt so strongly that your voice needs to be broadcast and your body and your face are such a great fucking way to get it there. (laughs) And then, you know, I had to come back down Mm -hmm. to earth and I had to realize why is it that as an educated, smart, spiritual, happy, healthy woman, that my default is to try to manipulate you Mm -hmm. into getting you to say something that maybe you don't believe in. Mm -hmm. And as terrible as that may sound to some people listening, the truth is that that's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. That was something that I was taught to do. That was something that was reward-based for me. So if I could get you to say what my boss wants you to say, that was a win. Mm -hmm. That That was an incredible thing that I did. If I could get, you know, Brad to make you jealous, mm-hmm. if I could make Ryan Phillippe cry, yeah. you know, <laughs> if, or, or, or get him Still to talk emotional. about, exactly, or get him to talk about Reese, <laughs> you know, which is something he never talks yeah, about. You know, if up, I Ryan? could do that, that was a win. And the culture in reality television behind the camera is extremely reward based. Mm-hmm. It's like which, an unhealthy relationship. Which also lends itself to the majority of the people on set their relationship with everything else, Mm -hmm. including food. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you look at a lineup of people, if you looked at a lineup of somebody of 40 people on set, you know, camera guys, audio guys, grips, art department, there's maybe 25% of those people who are active, healthy, who are bringing their lunch to work, Mm -hmm. who aren't drinking Red Bull all day. Mm -hmm. I'd say 25% is a pretty generous number. And the rest of them are overweight, underpaid, overtired, completely inactive. I mean, the amount that people walk would be to the van from their car in the parking lot to take them to the set and then to their department. And that's the culture in which so many people, including myself as a young woman, you know, came up in. And that really was, I mean, it may sound obvious now, but that was so incredibly detrimental to me and my ability to discern right from wrong. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at the people who have the jobs that you want and those people what they have and what they don't have, you know, that should be in alignment with something that you are spiritually connected to, Mm -hmm. you know, with two feet on the ground. I see this woman and she's married and she is a family. In my case, those are things that I want. Um, You know, and on the flip side, you see these people, I saw these people, I'm checking myself. Mm -hmm. I saw these people who were truly obese, toxic, unhappy, in terrible relationships, maybe didn't talk to their parents, estranged from siblings. Um, You know, those are things that no one should ever be aligned with. Mm -hmm. But in in those environments, those are the only people at the top. And again, that is a generalization. But for the most part, Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to figure out what's supposed to be happening and what's not. Well, it's the same for modeling. Like, so we, we have that reward system as well to go, okay, well, we talked about this. I'll, I'll give a little backstory yeah. on how you and I actually met. So Carrie hit me up on Instagram mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I love following you. I'm a producer. <laughs> Which, by the way, was completely true. Yeah. yeah. And I had followed Kate. No, I just want everybody to know <laughs> no. because I was not very dialed into any body positivity, both in my personal life or on social media. And I stumbled across Katie 
from, I want to say just like my search page. And I found her and I started following her, I guess 2014, I would say. And I followed her throughout a really traumatic, tumultuous time in my life that I'll share with you guys a little bit later. And I, for some reason, just felt super connected to her. (laughs) And there, truly, and I'd say this behind your back too, bitch. (laughs) There was, I never really had anybody on social media like that, Mm -hmm. that I really looked to her posts and her words as kind of law. Like I felt like, okay, I recognize she's educated. I recognize that she's very dialed in. She's very aware. And I'm going to kind of ride on that. And now I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, and so, thank you. (laughs) And uh, so she wrote me and was like, hey, I produced this show. I'd love for you to be great for it. I'd love to talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, And at this point for me, I... You know, it was before the the plus size thing really popped. Like it hadn't, you know, those Sports Illustrated with Ashley hadn't come out or any of that yet. So it was still everyone, you know, a lot of people don't know, but there's like a group of plus size models. We all started at the same time, like Ashley and Candace and everybody like we were 17 years old all with the same agency. So there's like this wave. We're all now like 30 in our thirties. I'm 33, but we're all around that age range, which is what it takes. Like that's the amount of time that you have to put in to be at a place where now you're going to, you could possibly, something could go for you. Like, and people think it's just this instant thing. It's not, it's like years and years and years. So I was just always not that person. I just was never willing to sacrifice like what you said, like what, who I felt I was. I wasn't going to go do Coke with my bookers and party. I just felt like when the bookers in New York would say, Oh, you need to go to this club to network. I went there once because I was naive thinking like, Oh, I need to go meet people. They're telling me this is what I should do. And then I realized I was there to basically be an escort. And right, I was like, right. Whoa, quote, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is not, I'm not even old enough to be here. This is all shady people. Like everything in my like, my energy was going, get the F out of here. So I realized like this was not a safe environment for me. And like the the whole modeling industry in itself was just a facade of like, you have to sell yourself in more ways than one to get to where you want to be. And the girls that are there have chosen a path to get there. And that's just a very known thing. Like you have to play the game to get to certain places. Well, no, no, it's interesting. It, it's, it's known to the industry. Right. Not That's why I agree. To a lot it's, of the ears that are hearing yeah, this. Yeah, okay. Right. It's you definitely It's not just based on your face circ- and size. Of and, <laughs> and this is not, you know, the industry does discriminate, but to your point, this is not just for plus size no, models. I want to make that clear. Absolutely. It's, Entertainment it's actresses, it's yeah. singers, mm-hmm. producers. It's producers. It's everybody. <laughs> so um, I realized that very quickly that that this is not what I thought. And this wasn't like, oh, you just work hard and you you work your way up. No, there's other things involved that went against like who I was as a person. And that's why I decided to go a different path with the business route of it and try to have an agency, and, and I did, and do all those things. So when I met you, I was at this place where I never really, I kind of let go of the dream of being like, oh, I'm going to be this famous model. It just wasn't for me. I just don't think that's really my path. And I once I faced it, I was like, I wouldn't even want to do the things required of me to get in that position right. and be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Like, it's great if that's for you, and that's like your dream. For me <coughs> as a person, I realized that wasn't my dream. So, um then I met you and we go to dinner and we're sitting there. Wait, talking. hold on. You missed a huge part of Wait, the story, which, which is you came to the network. But we went to dinner first. No. No. 
Oh, we went to the dinner network. was we after network, dinner yeah. was after your meeting. Oh, shit. so we go and and as and a really important part of this story is what Katie said, and I just want to reiterate: this is right before the body positivity conversation became right. in the forefront right. of the media. Okay, um, and so Katie comes to the network, right, and she has a meeting with my bosses, and I'm not in the meeting. And Katie leaves, and they say to me, she is incredible, great find, so easy to talk to, oh my God, so relatable, gorgeous, all the things, you hit all the boxes. But you know what, Carrie? We really don't believe that anybody is going to give a shit about the body positivity conversation. (laughs) In Oops. two years. Yeah, whoops. Oops. And I, but, and quite frankly, <laughs> even though I knew better, I really did walk out of there with my tail between my legs mm-hmm. because I felt like I had brought this woman who is so much more than a model to this network, which by the way, is an incredible place. And I had a really positive work experience there. And I was met with such resistance when in my fabric, in my bones, I knew that what I saw in Katie and what she was discussing, and by the way, this is almost four years yeah, ago it was now. Yeah, a long time it's crazy. ago. Um, I knew that this was going to be important and I knew that this was something. But I still was like, okay, guys, like, I'll just think so much. Like, would you, I'm going to send my assistant for a Starbucks order. Like, what do you guys want? <laughs> and so after. You mean you weren't like, yeah, I know. I totally agree. She's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nobody cares. You're totally right. And I was really like, I was quite burned, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I don't know who's listening, who knows this, but Katie and Brad used to have their their main residence in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. and you guys came from Palm Springs for this meeting. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Jesus, I can't believe I did this. Like, I brought them <laughs> here, and, like, it kind of crashed and burned, you know? Um, and so I really said, like, can you guys, you know, can you wait two hours before you hit the road? Like, please let me take you to dinner. I'd love to talk more to you. And at this point, I was kind of, like, half fangirl, mm-hmm. half, like, Maybe I could get my foot in the door with her. <laughs> you know? Okay. No, okay. So you. then we go to, we got Mexican food. I remember that. I always remember when I eat fajitas. It's very, <laughs> it sticks with me. Um, so yeah, we, we had a great time talking, getting to know each other. And I mean, it was funny because all the things you're talking about, like I could recognize like you're selling mm-hmm, at that point, mm-hmm. which we, we always, Brad does the same thing. So mm-hmm. I already know he was selling you, you guys were like having the, the let's get to know each other, but I'm really yeah. like, I'm back checking you right but now. But again, like I did not realize how smart you two were. <laughs> I and Carrie are cut from the I same was, yeah. Yes, Bradford and I are like soul sisters. <laughs> yes, we are. But you know, hey, I have been in so many development meetings and so many watched so many sizzles of couples, you know, I wouldn't say that are just like you guys, but who fit, who check some of the boxes yeah. in your age range and have, uh, you know, own their own business and have been together for a long time. And I was like, Psh, I got this. Yeah. Like, I got your number. I know exactly what this is. And I left that dinner being like, oh my God, I do not know what's happening in my life. And they know what's happening in their lives. And and I don't know where to go from here. Well, I think that's a problem that we have because I think on the surface, we do check a lot of boxes of like, oh yeah, I could totally read this. But then if you get to know us, we're like the opposite of what you would assume by looking at us. So we go to the meeting and one of the things at that point, I had been really reevaluating the kind of content I was putting out on social media, especially when it came to like sexualizing myself. 
Um, just because I had reached a place of consciousness about like body positivity and going, Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like if I'm getting people on my commenting on my picture, body goals, that's actually the opposite of the messaging I I'm like trying to teach and like show. And I need to be aware of that. And it was genuine. I really didn't realize it until about that point. And I was until like, until I made you realize. Yeah. That. Yeah. So then I, I had stopped kind of posting that content and that was before I had true or anything like that. It was just for me and a, a conscious decision to be like, Oh, well I would like, if I'm going to be saying all these things, like we should be valued for who we are. I shouldn't be leading with my body. Like that's just, you know, I'm practicing what I preach. So I'm talking to Carrie and she's like, look, you should be like, if this plus size thing is going to like pop off, someone is going to be the person. And like, you're the only one that can speak about this stuff in a really intelligent way and all these great things. And she's like, but you need to get your followers up. And I think at the time I had like 50,000, I really right, didn't have like right. very many. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I, at the same time, I'm just not, again, I'm not willing to post the kind of content that would get me followers fast, which I could, I could post Victoria's Secret level photos that Brad could shoot yeah. of me and completely hoe myself out and get a ton of followers very quickly. I know that's an option. And I think it's important for women to know selling your body will always be an option. Mm -hmm. It's never going to not be there. So, you know, if nothing else, you can fall back on that. But for me, I felt like I owed it to myself to try to do something different. And so when you were saying, get your followers up and you're like, you know, you could post like more bikini. This is such a good impression is, of me. I wish you guys could see this in person. <laughs> she goes, you know, well, you could post more, like if you post a bikini picture and this is how you were selling me on it, which I was laughing because you're like, you could post a bikini picture and then it could like show up on the search page of a guy who like follows you, but then maybe his niece right. sees it because he <laughs> followed you. Reaching, just and reaching then, so far. And then she would like be so inspired by you and I literally was looking at you when I started laughing and I was like, yeah, but then I would be kind of like telling her a lie by posting that picture with a caption that didn't make any sense. And you're like, yeah, but you know, sometimes you have to do these things. And it was what we're talking about. These, these are the things that we're trying to explain to people is like that is part of it in the in the structure and what the format of success right now for women that's a huge part is showing your body on social right, media right. like so again we of course it doesn't even occur to us to not do that at times unless you're really dialed in to go wait a minute wait a minute so we left and didn't I mean it was great we, I was like oh we could totally hang with her but you asked me you like cut me off in the right, middle of the conversation right. I know exactly go, what you're gonna say so right now. you don't want to do any of this because I was like I don't want to do that I don't want to do this and you're like okay obviously you don't want to do any of this so what let me just ask you straight up what is it that you do want yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, you, got uh, Katie with the you, you did. You like put me on blast. And I I was like, oh, my God, I've never actually thought of that to say what I actually want. I, I started to realize what I didn't want, but I didn't ever think about what I actually wanted. And to go, oh, to be on a show for all of these things that would be set up that aren't even things I care about and to be controlled and have to say certain things, I was like, I don't want that. So I can like let that go because it's not even going to fit me. It's not going to be good for me. I don't want to have to exploit myself physically when I'm married and now I'm a mom and I, I don't even believe in doing that just for me as a person on like a soul level. So I can let that dream go because that's not for me. Right. And it doesn't mean it's not for someone else. And I think that's really important. It doesn't mean it's shaming someone else. It's not my path. Therefore, I'm not going down that road. I don't care if someone else does. If that's okay for you, maybe it's getting you out of a different situation. Right. Cool. Like right. that's your business. I mean, I think what's so beautiful about this story that Katie and I have and like 
Brad was there too. But <laughs> I'm just healthy as a skinny husband. That's my Instagram handle. But you know, like, is check. that is that when I was, you know, this is the height of my career mm-hmm. when you and I had this dinner. This is everything I had worked for. I was working for a major network. I was finally in a situation where I had female bosses who were truly role models and who were mentors and it was healthy and it was happy and it was a great space to be in. And I couldn't figure out why I was so miserable. And when you and I went to that dinner, and I've said this to you guys at least 20 times in the last three years, you know, that dinner was one of the most poignant moments in my life because by asking you what you wanted, I was forced to ask myself what I wanted and who I wanted to be and what I wanted my creativity to produce in this world, if anything. And that dinner was the beginning of the end of my career in television in a really beautiful way that I never would have come to without you. And I just want to say that I love you so much and I'm so grateful for this because seriously, you two coming into my life changed the entire trajectory of my personal feelings about myself. That's so awesome. Well, I never, you know, I felt like it was a, it was a turning point for me as well because it was just finally knowing it's okay to like close those ideas that, oh, I should be doing this because that's what I've been told I can do. And and let me say, you know, bringing it back to what we're talking about today, which is reality television, you know, exactly what Katie just said, posting a picture of yourself basically naked on Instagram is the equivalent of getting into a drunk cat fight on reality Mm -hmm. television. Mm -hmm. It may not have bad intentions, but it doesn't have good intentions. Mm -hmm. And it's for a reason. It's for eyeballs to your screen, whether that's your phone screen or your television screen. The result always has fallout. You know, I don't know many women who are, quote, influencers, who post pictures of themselves and their bare bodies that feel amazing after. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of women who are influencers who post pictures of their almost naked bodies and all they do is read the comments and look Mm -hmm. for the likes because they're still looking for the validation. Mm -hmm. Right. And reality television has contributed to that culture Mm -hmm. as well. I totally agree. And it's the, on the we modeling side. We got to get a side, psychiatrist in here. To, uh, we do. I mean, I just want like, the record to reflect that I have like a down, a mortgage, like down payment on a house worth of therapy. If you guys like, <laughs> want to come to me for anything, I'm happy to share. It would be fun to get like a therapist in here along with you and it's be like, what, you know, almost like from a, from a, a clinical level, yeah. what is it right. that, that we're so attracted to as humans? Like, what mm-hmm. is it that... Because as we've talked about, Katie and I are very functional people. I mean, we're like right down the pipe, yet we're fucking fascinated by 90 Day Fiance right, and right. Teen Mom, tra- you know, uh, train wrecks and all well, that stuff. But I think stuff. it's because it's, it's so, so different great. than us. Like, I think because Maybe. we are so like, we're so like, why would you do that? Why would you make that choice? And it, it's, it's <laughs> like, um, I like to kind of look at why people are the way they are. I find it to be fascinating, oh, not fascinating. from like a sense of, you know, just blind entertainment of like, oh, they got in this cat fight, but more of like right. the deeper I, stuff of the, the bigger picture pattern, like cultural, so like when you are brainwashing a culture, it's coming from these sources and when you can identify them in a different way, like I just view it more in that sense where I find it to be like really interesting yeah. to see how we're being manipulated. And, and I think those shows are really great examples of 
um, you know, human condition mm-hmm. docu-series. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they are, you know, changing the world one 90-day fiancé <laughs> at a time. But, you know, somebody once said to me that the reason they enjoy reality television so much is because there's a tangible desperation Mm -hmm. to these people. And I think, you know, it is a train wreck and you can't look away. And the moment that you find yourself invested, it's like they're sitting next to you. It's like they're in your home. Mm -hmm. And now that we have you know, cross-platform marketing. So you can watch someone's Facebook Live. You can follow them on Instagram. You can see their every thought in 125 characters on Twitter. Um, You know, now that it's really so easily accessible to, to feel like you're getting a continuation of what you saw on television from these people, it's also changed the scope of their ability to become celebrity. Mm-hmm. And by celebrity, I don't mean Tom Cruise with a K. I right. don't mean uh, an Oscar winner. <coughs> On our last show. You know, I mean I mean our culture's fascination with fame. But mm-hmm. here's the thing, I think that like reality TV and a lot of these networks are behind the eight ball because they think that only dysfunction is entertaining. But Brad and I have found that mm, it's interesting. We right? are pretty positive and we literally do the dumbest shit that has like, no, where he posts, I posted a picture, a video of him saying happy birthday to me with those two like party whistle things in his nose. And he Did blew them twice. That? It blew up my page and it's right. like stupid and funny. And most people wouldn't post it because they think it wasn't cool. Right. Like, so, Ooh, like this doesn't look good. On my page. It just yeah. happened. And it's like, I just think, you know, with all of the negativity and everything we have going on so much, there's something about like genuine connection of a healthy relationship Absolutely. that people are like, what is this? Absolutely. How can I be a part of this? And I think it's sad that networks are so conditioned and they're brainwashed to think that this one formula is the only winning formula. But it happens in movies too. That's why we see superhero movie after superhero yeah, movie annoying. or Fast and the Furious 19. We're just at the point where like, <clears throat> it's, it's a risk. It's, Oh, see, they're going. Also, guys, that. do you uh, can either of you see what's happening down this yeah, street right I, now? I saw that. They've been setting up and getting on. The, they unloaded the horses from the trucks. I saw that. And like, what's going on here today? No, because well, this all of the parking is like tow away parking for a oh. square block here. I think oh, they got to be they're... shooting something. Oh, they might oh, be. Maybe that's it. Uh, reality TV. I think it's a uh, Teen Mom Parade. Oh, can you imagine uh, if it was Deb's wedding? Fucking amazing. <laughs> of course. It How would come be. we didn't get invited? Can you imagine invited if they everybody? had that kind of budget of to shut down that Sunset? Would be tight. Um, but movies, you're we talking really- about. Oh yeah, it was same thing. Well, real quick. I mean, we know as we know, movies are the same way. It, there's no risk anymore because there's too much money and everything's on the line these days. And with the television format kind of going under in real reality, right. it's almost like a, a bad format now that we have Netflix and, and HBO and other pl- other platforms are creating such amazing original content. It's like they can't take that risk. Why would they throw in any kind of money or any type of thing? Like like they were saying to you, oh, in two years, this thing is, is dead, right. dead in the water. But I also think but that when not. you're conditioned so, so long to just be checking boxes, you don't right. know how to create something authentic because Agreed. you're too busy dissecting and trying to fit things into categories. And like, yeah, you know, it's gotta fit this. nothing yeah. fits every category. And like, that's kind of what makes it 
interesting. And so like, even with Chip and Joanna, like we, we were laughing about shooting. You have a such f- a love hate with them. Okay. You guys, we were laughing about okay, shooting. First a of all, fa- hold bitches, on, hold I'm on. throwing down the gauntlet now on you too. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about doing a fake sizzle reel before these other producers. That I'm we in. Know. I'm and, in. And us being like doing Chip and Joanna, but in the desert edition, because there's all these like little water. Um, oh my God. Because you know, they do the silos and we were like, yeah. check out our silos. And it's going to have like one string light in the desert with like one water broke, container. Yeah, water container. <laughs> An empty water bottle. And then Brad's going to have a lot of his like Christian humor jokes. <laughs> like it's yeah. all like everything. They're so cookie cutter that I'm like, this isn't real life. And people have to recognize this is not a real like relationship, like not every day well, is I mean, the guy funny real. and making jokes. Yeah. And then she plays, has cupcakes. And like, you know, this is, they're portraying an image of what ever, like this perfect home, life that everyone wishes they had, but that's not real. And, and it's frustrating I, to me. I, I understand. Right. And it should be frustrating to you. And, you know, the thing that I find to be so imperative right now is to the people who are listening, if it's not frustrating to you, why is that? You know, it's important to mm-hmm. to realize what what reflection you see in your of yourself in these shows. You mm-hmm. know, I want to be clear because even though there is so much trash out there, we're also at a time where creatively, and I'm not speaking to reality television right now, right, right, but creatively, there's this wonderful energy where mm-hmm. there are television shows being created for women by women, Mm -hmm. but for everybody to see. Um, off the top of my head, Big Little Lies, Amazing. Handmaid's Amazing. Tale. You know, oh, these are these are stories. So you know, good. Handmaid's Tale is like, you know, specific, but specifically you know, badass. Yeah, and, and crazy. Oh, but you know, there there are really wonderful <laughs> things to watch out there right now mm-hmm. that don't involve strictly drama mm-hmm. or strictly. 16 and pregnant, you know, and as much as we all love that, especially in this room, I know that we all love that stuff. It's important. You know, this is what I said earlier. You choose what you're watching. You're choosing to ingest these images Mm -hmm. and these stories. And it's important to choose better, to make Mm -hmm. better choices. And if you find yourself in a position where the only thing that's speaking to you is bad girls club, Mm -hmm. Why is that? You know, exactly. Wags. (laughs) Wags is a, you know, Wags, Love and Hip Hop. You know, those are great examples of shows that are produced for the broken people Mm -hmm. in the audience. Right. You know. But my problem is when does it start out as shock value and become normalized? Like that's. I don't know anything that's shocking anymore. That's what I'm saying. Especially after even our election. That was really a reality show. Right. Like it starts out as a subculture of people are like, oh my God, there's humans that exist like this. And then now they're just like red carpet celebrities. And you're going, how? And then people are trying to be like that and emulate it. And it just, I think it just comes back again to this idea of like we create ideals uh, across the spectrum. Like we have beauty ideals, but we also have. Have like this format for the influencer and then this crazy celebrity character, right. like reality stars, all those things. And it's just like creating these really unhealthy models of what you should try to be. And mm-hmm. then we don't have access to seeing, again, smart, intelligent people speaking about issues that matter in an entertaining way. Like, so it separates it from the only way you can be entertaining is to be fucking crazy. And that's just not true. Or naked. Or naked. Or you know? naked and crazy. And, or, right. Yeah. Or, naked or drunk, and naked, naked, crazy. And afraid. <laughs> and naked and afraid. Um, <laughs> but can I ask you a question, Katie? Yeah. You know, 
so strictly talking social media. Mm-hmm. So I know people say things like, well, I would love to post about this, but I don't think like people want to see me write this. Mm-hmm. You know, say say you're an influencer with a million and a half followers. What do you think can be done to really provoke those women? And it is women. You it know, is. the influencer space is 99% female. Yeah. Um, you know, why has it, why is it still so handicapped, you know, this process of of using your voice for, for good on well, social media? I think it's two parts. So, I mean, I touched on this before. It's the copycat culture. So I think that there are people that see, for in my experience, they'll go, oh, I want to be doing what she's doing, which is like speaking at the different events and, you know, wanting to inspire people in a good way. I think we, we innately have that in us as women, especially to want to contribute in a meaningful way, but we've not been taught how to do that. So you see someone that is doing that and instead of connecting to what your purpose is, you're like, I'm going to copy that. Mm. So I have one girl specifically who literally plagiarizes my post. Like she will plagiarize right. my book, like, you know, and so we also have that where you have to be very careful of following people that are completely full of shit, they might be saying the right things, but you have to identify authenticity from a lot of aspects, not just like seeing a photo and reading a caption. Like there's a lot of things that go into it, which we talked about on a previous podcast, of just your intuition, like be tuned into people. What's the vibe? Does it seem real? Does it seem staged? Like do they show all aspects of themselves or just this like, again, perfect. I'm every single post is an inspiring post. Mm -hmm. That's annoying. Every single post doesn't need to be about your body. Like right. you well, to answer, kind of touch on your question too. With these influencers, once you enter money into any situation yeah. in mm-hmm. life or as a human, it's a business. when it becomes a monetary thing, you've got you enter issues, <clears throat> just period. So like you have you have that million and a half followers all of a sudden, and as we know because we own an agency and we own an influencer, we have not own, but we have an influencer board. So we see that the clients that call in come in, they come in with the amounts, the what they want the girl to do. Da, da, da. Katie gets um, bombarded with it as well, and she refuses to put it, you know, hang a tea bag out of her ass cheek. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm <laughs> all for it. At least on camera, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I'll see, I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, hours. after six p.m. But am I right? But yeah, well, if it's decaphinated, because I got to get amped what no, time is Drew's bedtime, guys? 7.30. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Takes okay. a minute for the caffeine to kick <laughs> yeah. in. If I get fucking amped at 7.30, it's over. Um, and so, like, it's very interesting because when you enter money into that situation, that's almost an unfair balance because yeah. it does suck because you just might be this girl that started with good intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Or you might be, like, you want to put out the good message, but as soon as you take that turn to the right, as you know, almost in like in reality TV... They wanted you to go more left, and you're like, "Fuck!" And here, the money stops, the sponsorships, not enough sponsor, but the yeah. the po- you know yeah, the paid post stops, yeah. and then it's fear based living. It and is fear based. That's living. the whole problem. Is like anytime you're living from a place of fear, you are shutting yourself off to who you really are meant to be, and you're shutting off opportunities to live in an authentic way. You might monetize that other version, but where does it leave you? And I think I had a model in the office the other day saying. She's kind of shy, um, but she also was like, I don't know. I feel like I'm not an expert to be talking about these things. And I'm like, well, why are you trying to tell people you're an expert? I was like, your experience today is just your experience. It doesn't mean that it's an expert view on something. And she's like, I just don't want to be annoying. And Mm -hmm. I go, well, then don't be annoying. (laughs) I go, who do you follow that annoys you? Why do they annoy you? 
don't do that. If that, if you find that to be annoying, why do you feel like you have to follow that format? So again, it's just like this whole, and a lot of it is coming from the body positivity stuff. That's just totally exploited now just for sexuality. So it's, you don't want, which to we should talk about too, yeah. because you know, it's there, there have been a wave of women who have found success, you know, probably mainstream half a dozen, mm-hmm. you know, Hunter, Iskra, mm-hmm. um, you know, these women who their captions don't fit their images. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important thing that maybe some of the people who follow you, Katie, and who are listening right now don't have the tools to differentiate between. Right, right. You know, it's kind of like one of these things is not like the other. One of these things does not belong. Like a naked picture of yourself is empowering, but is it empowering in front of your millions of followers? Which you know, I think, dudes. but I think they that's actually fine. convince themselves it is, and that's the but problem. Is, but is that a problem? I mean, playing devil's advocate, is it a problem mm-hmm. to believe that your body is yours? No, see, I, I but don't, when you're face tuning it to an unrecognizable that that, state, that's what I was about to say. I don't, yeah, like in that's or where, and I won't mention the names of some of the people that we're talking about, but the reality is you're not just face tuning; you're live tuning it. You're you're, you're right. enhancing oh, it. Yeah, in we, real life. One of so the girls that we is known or the crazy whatever for yeah. a big booty. We saw a paparazzi picture. We can see both of the injection marks like right. matched up perfectly. And on we, the butt we have friend that's a you know a plastic yeah. surgeon Beverly Hills. He gives us the down low, the scoop on a lot of stuff. And so you and do that, that and then you have. say, "Oh, love your body." Like you know, it's just again, it's a business. It's being monetized, and now you have to go. Oh, I need to. I just need to view it differently. And it's not that that person's a bad person. It's not they don't believe the things they say, but they are a product now, and their livelihood depends on it's you eating up this message that they're trying to force feed you so they can make more money, whether it's a fitness program or it's a clothing line or a bikini line or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could have gone down that road. I, I mean, I remember this, Bale. I mean, like we've been together 13 years. I remember when we were just like, I wouldn't say kids. You were maybe a kid. I maybe was inappropriately older. <laughs> but we were in a, I was going to say, we you were, were not a kid. <laughs> okay, I was a kid, I was a kid <laughs> like in the 90s, uh, 80s, um, 70s. So like the, we were out over on Sycamore and, you know, I had a a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do air quotes because another one of those shitty jobs where you're mm-hmm. like, "Damn, man, it's a lot of work for very little money." And Katie was struggling as a as a model because she didn't want to do again those things that that all the agencies wanted her to do. And I wasn't and, full enough. I was yeah, like, and and she was caught in this kind of limbo land. And there we were. And it, at that point. We both would have been totally cool with you hanging a tea bag. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we were like, we need money. So you know, I see how you can I almost get trapped in that too. Like, I not, wasn't there mentally yet. Like, that's, and that's what I mean. That's and why, I think that's so important yeah, to recognize right. because a lot of the influencers that we are talking about but not naming right. are younger than you and I are. Of course. Are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when your sense of self, of self... <laughs> Excuse me. When your sense of self and your sense of your own worth and value are tied strictly to likes and to being paid to post and to that validation, it's a really difficult situation to get out of. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thought pattern to break. Um, You know, I have said to you many times before that you helped me wake up. Mm -hmm. And once I woke up, there was no chance in hell I could ever go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great way to look at, you know, the, the young women, especially who just 
don't have the tools because nobody's ever said to them, Mm -hmm. these people are getting paid and that's okay because ain't nothing going on but the rent. Everybody's got to make a buck. Fine. Mm -hmm. However, the way in which they portray that transaction Mm -hmm. in their comments and in the visual image that they attach to it is so important for you to understand. And also that a lot of these, especially on the curvy you know, influencer side, a lot of them were straight size and had eating disorders. And so dealing with these types of girls all the time, they portray an image of like, I love myself now. And I think a lot of times it's more of like, this is what I wish I actually believed about myself and I'm not there yet. And so, and listen, like eating issue, all of us have eating issues, Mm -hmm. especially in our disordered eating, you know, In, in our country, we, for the most part are not, taught to cultivate a healthy relationship with food. And I think, you know, the way that somebody eats and, you know, I could get a lot of heat from this, but the way that somebody eats is a really true reflection of the way that they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eating disordered eating doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, like we were saying before, pain is pain is pain. Trauma is very real. Mm -hmm. And whether it's something that happened to you when you were a little child, you know, whether you didn't feel safe or your home was really chaotic and that was the place that you found safety. Or if you lost a family member at a really transformative time, you know, there are so many reasons that people eat the way that they do. But emotional eating is one of the things that I have have found easily 80% of the women that I have worked with both on a personal and professional level suffer from. That's what I said last week. I said 80% of the women that I know struggle with it and have had these like including myself, including myself. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, you know, I have eaten to soothe myself, to self-soothe, you know, like a, like like a baby does, Mm -hmm. you know, when you learn to self-soothe the way that I, you know, taught myself to soothe in my late teens, early 20s when I experienced my first very real trauma as a young adult, you know, was food. Mm -hmm. And I, the only constant that I had at that point in my life, and again, through my 20s, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't just gain 40 pounds because I was feeling great. You know, that that doesn't happen because great things are happening in your Mm -hmm. life. Um, You know, the way that I learned to soothe was to find solace in my fridge, you know, and that alone is really sad. It's Mm -hmm. a really sad place to be. And I think there are so many women and men for that matter who, you know, just don't know better. And that, and I include myself in that statement. I was included in that as well. Yeah. And I think that, I guess that's what we're trying to say too, is I think the whole body positive movement is one that initially you're like, oh, this is nice because this is really how I would like to actually feel about myself. But it's very conflicting. And I've had women write me to say, I really love it and I want to be a part of it, but I'm overweight and I don't feel comfortable. And I don't, I know I'm not healthy, but I struggle because I, I want to love myself. And it's like, that's where the messaging is really getting lost where I don't know if the body positive movement is really helping us outside of the initial, like, yes, fight back against everyone who's been mean to us. Like that's a nice feeling. I think it's in its early, it's in its early forms. It'll be interesting to reflect back on this in five years to see like kind of where it is and where it's going. So I'm sorry. I want to loop back around though. So what do you say 
just because, like, I don't know. What yeah. do you say to a woman, mm-hmm. young, old, anybody who writes that to you? What's your response? Well, my response is I look at getting to a place where you're able to accept that you deserve to be loved as you are right now, even if it's not in your optimal place in life, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, that you're still like a lovable person. That's like, that's the first step to anything in life. Like if you can reach that place, then that's laying a foundation for self-love to grow. And that's laying an opportunity for you to go, how can I care for myself now that I understand me at my worst is still deserving of love and I'm still a human who's here and I have something to offer how can I better myself? Like, and that's, what's not the conversations that aren't being had. It's should, it's just saying, Hey, I love myself and F you like to everyone who tells me I can't wear this and it's going, okay, well, but then at home, you're still having all the issues that you had before you went to the March about body positivity, you know? And I think that that's why the diet industry will continue to boom. That's why people are going to like still do the crash diets and skinny teas and all these things because deep down they don't know how to get control of the things that you talked about, of the emotional aspects of this. They don't know how to find that place where they don't constantly struggle and think about it all the time. And I think that that's the, the information that needs to be out there more. So that's one thing that we're looking to do Um and just being honest and sharing people's real stories to go, okay, let's actually talk about things that ooh, we can't, we can't be honest and, and talk openly about things we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like that's such a weird place right. to be. We have to do that. We have to continue to push the conversation and not be afraid to have them because none of us can grow if we can't speak to one another and learn from each other because I don't know the answers. My answers are going to be different than your answers right. and your story is different than my story, but we can both benefit from hearing about them and discussing them and, and this whole experience that we just had right now. And I think that's, you know, the place for women that's really missing. It's all image based. It's not about our struggle or how we can overcome them. It's just, just put a bandaid on it. Well, And I think that there's a place for that conversation right here mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah, and, and that's so important. And, and, you know, it's really invaluable to have a safe place to discuss. And I really thank you guys for letting me be open and say how I feel and, you know, not mm-hmm. censor myself because that's so freeing. Mm-hmm. And so thank you. So I'm what's, what's my next? Biological sister too, by <laughs> what's next for <laughs> Carrie? <laughs> um, you know, I'm currently working for an amazing nonprofit mm-hmm. in hunger relief. And awesome. I feel really spiritually full, Mm -hmm. you know, for the first time I'd say probably in my entire life. And, um, you know, I, I think for everyone out there listening, you know, please understand that the entertainment industry, the fashion industry is not glamor and money. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a lot of trauma that Mm -hmm. comes with serving yourself, your body, your mind, your soul up on a platter to someone else Mm -hmm. and to serve a message that maybe you don't know any better not to believe in. But it's important to listen to the conversations that people like us are having, to have them in your own home, Mm -hmm. to have them at brunch with your girlfriends, to talk to your mother who is from a completely different generation, who wasn't taught to love herself the way that we are relearning to love ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think truly what's next for me is just, you know, continued growth. And I feel so lucky that I, you know, hit rock bottom when I did because 
there's just no looking back mm-hmm. now. And it's been really, you know, terrifying and freeing. But my entire life, my mom has always said to me, you know, if you're not a little bit scared, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> so, so, so I or think I'm doing it right now. Yeah. 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 Well, awesome. we're obviously going to have you back because like, we love you. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> but this was awesome. And if you guys have any uh, questions for Carrie, for Carrie, Carrie. as we like to call her, uh, or Ryan Philippi, he would love to answer them as well. Um, we're going to be trying to do this once a week for you and have like really great people on here and you can throw us questions and we'll talk about any topics, but hopefully this was helpful for you to understand reality TV and what you're looking at and to start watching Teen Mom with us. Okay, great. So we will talk to you guys soon. Out. Bye. If you guys are loving our podcast, you can listen to every episode on our website, which is healthyisthenewskinny.com. And there's so much great content on there. There's videos talking about the fashion industry, health, recipes, and you can just hang out with Bradford and I on Instagram. So you can follow Healthy is the New Skinny. You can follow my personal, which is KDH Wilcox. And we just launched Healthy is the New Skinny's husband. And that Instagram is one you don't want to miss. So we will see you guys next time.